So now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically Hello, people. opposed to secret societies. Welcome to the to show. And to secret proceedings. We literally just well, we had somebody ring our doorbell, world, like literally, the minute we went live. And ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means <laughs> for expanding its sphere of influence. Ah, that's funny. It, it was 1776 when the founders signed the writ of independence from I'm going to share this out. We're going to talk about the news today. Now an enemy from within yeah. would enslave us all again. And deprive us of our rights in the Constitution. Hey, Mia and Melanie. Nice to see you guys. Restore the Republic. Wake up, it's time to understand. Restore the Republic. We're losing our freedom in the land. If you're on Facebook, hello. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm going there right now. Facebook takes forever to load. Controlling everything. From the daily news we read to the politicians. And they're pulling out financial strings More powerful than kings It's a central bank elite Bringing our destruction Restore the republic Wake up, it's time to make a stand Restore the republic We are the people and we can Restore the republic Pledge our allegiance to the flag Restore the republic We gotta take the freedom back America, arise, it's time to open up your eyes And march back down the road to freedom That's right, people They're trying to So we the people must defeat them Yeah, we should I did try to get my hair cut today, but when I showed up, my hairdresser was getting her hair cut. I had to make an appointment for the weekend. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. Printing money till we choke, shoving taxes down our throats. Hey, John, how are you? Don't even owe, it's a ruination. They're invading our privacy. Yeah, they are. With high technology. Microchip in our ID, it's abomination. Restore the Republic. Wake up, it's time to make a stand. Restore the Republic. Spread the news across the land. Restore the Republic. Pledge our allegiance to the flag. Restore the Republic. It's time to take our freedom back. It's time to take our freedom back. So this song is called uh, Take Our Freedom Back And the name of the group is called uh, Band of Patriots You can actually find the song over on YouTube And you can watch them You know, as they uh, do that 
You, you can also call the song Restore the Republic. But I think the official name is called Take, Take Our Freedom Back by Band of Patriots. I just shut it off. <laughs> ah, anyway, hey, in actual radio and TV production, there's five other people doing that. So I do what I can. Anyway. So literally, literally, the minute we go hit play, somebody ding-dongs our doorbell. Did, did you find out who it was? No, says the man in the shadows. Really? Um, hmm. I'm, it's considerably darker over here. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. Let's, we need to get another light and put it on you. Yeah, something like that. And, yeah, and you're welcome, Michael. Something's moved because now you see you're off. And let me adjust you here. Um. Well, don't, I'm trying to, trying to adjust you. <laughs> hey, we do the best we can. I'm not a chiropractor, but I can adjust you. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, well, No, hey. I didn't. I, I, I went down because I thought, well, if it's some kids and they've got their ball in the backyard or something, then they're going to be trying to get back there and the dogs will go crazier and whatever, so. Yeah. And, but I have no idea. You have no clue what it, no clue, no clue. Um, no, there's nothing in the backyard, so... Gotcha. Whoever was, yeah. moved along. All right, well, hey, if you're new to the show, let me tell you who I am. I am Stacy Lynn Harp, your sweet and lovable host. Yeah, and it's not because I came up with that. It's because you people came up with it. I don't know what it is. I swear, you know, it cracks me up. Everywhere I go, people tell me how sweet I am. Some people just are sweet, you know? <laughs> Lovable? Eh, that's debatable to some. <laughs> anyway, I have been hosting this program. Uh, I've been doing broadcasting for almost 15 years. It'll be 15 years in May. And um, we started out doing the show way back in 2004-ish, uh, 5, around there. Um, and um, my very first guest was Dr. Frank Turek, who is a Christian apologetist. Apologet apologist. Apologist. And he wrote a book called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Yeah. And then I was in my uh, final year of graduate school, earning my master's of science. That's what the MS stands for. And clinical psychology to become a therapist. And while I was doing my 3,000 hours of clinical internship to be a therapist, as I was being a therapist, um, I asked God, okay, Lord, I said, if you really want me to do this type of show, then I'm going to ask you for the impossible. And the impossible would be for me to be able to interview Amy Grant, who I had zero connections to, who didn't know me from Adam. And I lived in California at the time and, you know, all that. Nobody, most of the Christian media world was not blogging and they weren't on the internet way back then like it is today. And so I prayed, I asked that prayer. I, I said, okay, Lord, if that's, <laughs> if you want me to do this, that's, that's a surefire way to know that it's not of me but of you. And sure enough, a couple weeks later, I had Amy Grant on my show as a guest. And that's a story in itself. But anyway, it's a super cool story how it happened. And um, I have been kind of following the Lord faithfully as uh, I have for over 30 something years now. And um, anyway, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's kind of funny. Anyway, so here I am, people. Um, anyway, and so I just want to introduce myself. My co-host is my husband. We've been married almost going on 27 years. 
27 long years yeah. Randall has had to put up with me. I, I'm the guy in the shadows. I refer too. to him as Bearface. It's not his real name, but I call him Bearface. And now a lot of you have taken that upon yourself to refer to him as Bearface as well, which is actually funny to me. So now I call him something different off air that nobody else knows because you can. I, I have made his his, <laughs> his his pet name to me uh, very well known. Anyway. All right. So, um, you know, it's the days are longer now. The days are getting longer. Maybe that's why well, you're in the dark. Well, no. But I, well, we're not set up any differently than usual. And somehow this is... Maybe maybe because your window isn't open? Your, your shades are... Yeah, okay. They're normally closed. Hmm. So. That is very weird. No lights went out either. Nope. Huh. Anyway, we are your hometown couple. We are an enigma. <laughs> WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get, whether you want it or not. Of course, you can always click us off. That's no problem. Just hit that button and go, click, see ya. I'm out of here. Anyway, I don't have children. People ask me all that time, oh, you'd be such a great mother. Do you have children? The answer is no. I had a uterine cancer and scare, endometriosis. I had to have a hysterectomy about almost 10 years ago. And so, no, I don't have any children. But I have spent my life defending children, teaching children, and standing up for those who um, need somebody to stand up for themselves. Okay. I was not raised in a Christian home. Uh, neither was Randall, actually. And him and I are very passionate about Bible study and discipleship. And so Bible News Radio, uh, basically, that's what we talk about. We talk about the Bible. We talk about the news. We do it on kind of, sort of radio. It used to be that our show was on Blog Talk Radio, but now it's on the Internet pretty much everywhere. Um, so that's a little bit about us. If you're new to the show, you can follow us over at BibleNewsRadio.com. <clears throat> you can join my email list. And better yet, you can join my text message list. When you text the term Bible news to three, three, two, two, two. Yes, it's two threes and three twos. That's yeah, right. It is. Three, three, two, two, two. Text the term Bible news right there to three, three, two, two, two. It's like that commercial with the bouncing ball. Text B-I-B-L-E-N-E-W-S to three three two 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 <laughs> double three triple two <laughs> yeah i don't know why that's fun to do but it is anyway you can do that join our our little tribe i totally appreciate it okay all right so let's talk about mr donald trump and nancy pelosi okay nancy and donald to. sitting in a tree no <laughs> K-I-S-S-I-N-G. No. Uh, they they really don't like each other. I'm just saying. I've been watching this this fiasco called our government and what's been going on. Nancy's like, no, you cannot have uh, Congress to do the State of the Union address because you're evil, Donald Trump. And Donald Trump's like, oh, yeah, Nancy Pelosi. I am going to put my foot down because I am a manly man. And uh, I refuse to let you not have it. So I'm, the government's still going to be shut down and I'm going to hold out anyway. Well, anyway, so now, now the headline is on BuzzFeedNews.com. Donald Trump says he will postpone the State of the Union until after the government shut down. Well, here's a shock. Wait, no, wait. Here's a news flash. The State of the Union is that the government is shut down. Yeah. Anyway, says here... Well Shouldn't it be, shouldn't it be, though, that says he'll postpone the state of the union until after the government resumes? <laughs> or, 
you know, <laughs> shut op- open, open up. What's a mere fact? After the government open up, like that, well. that'd make more sense of the headline. But anyway, well, it was the, probably, the shutdown is yeah happening now. So well, it says here Trump has agreed to postpone his speech after a back and forth with Pelosi, in which she cited security concerns as a reason it could not be done in the House chamber. You know, that's such a line of bull if I ever heard it. Oh, hey, you know what? The government shut down and we don't have enough security to protect the president right now. Is that such baloney or what? The president has his security, people, just so you know. Anyway, so it says here, uh, President Donald Trump is backing down in a standoff over the State of the Union address with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, conceding that he would postpone given the speech until after the partial government shutdown is resolved. The president tweeted late Wednesday night that he would delay the speech rather than find an alternative venue and would not give the address until he and lawmakers reach an agreement to end shutdown, which has been going on since December 22nd and is now the longest in U.S. history. Yeah, it is. As the shutdown was going on, Nancy Pelosi asked me to give the State of the Union address. I agreed. Trump tweeted late Wednesday night. She then changed her mind because of the shutdown, suggesting a later date. This is her prerogative. I will do the address when the shutdown is over, he continued. I'm not looking for an alternative venue for the State of the Union address because there's no venue that can compete with the history, tradition, and importance of the House chamber. I look forward to giving a great State of the Union address in the near future. His tweets followed a letter from Pelosi earlier Wednesday informing the president that he couldn't give the State of the Union from the House chamber while the government is still shut down. I am writing to inform you that the House of Representatives will not consider a concurrent resolution authorizing the President's State of the Union address in the House chamber until government has opened, Pelosi said in a letter. The letter was a response to an earlier declaration from Trump that he still planned to give the speech on Tuesday, January 29th from the House chamber, despite Pelosi's insistence that he could not give the speech because of security concerns related to the partial shutdown. It would be so very sad for our country if the State of the Union were not delivered on time, on schedule, and very importantly, on location, Trump wrote in an earlier letter Wednesday. The president had reportedly considered giving the State of the Union at another location, but Republicans encouraged Trump to stick with the plan to deliver it in the House chamber, the traditional venue for the annual speech. Pelosi responded Wednesday night, tweeting that she had hoped Trump's reference to the near future meant that the president would move to end the partial government shutdown by supporting the House Democrats' proposal. All right, so that's that. Bread and circus, that's what it is, really. It's stupid, in my opinion. So then this story came out today. And this is over on CNBC. And it says this, shutdown continues... Senate blocks bills to fund government amid fight over Trump border wall. All right. Dueling bills to reopen the federal government fail in the Senate on the 34th day of a partial government shutdown. Lawmakers have no clear path to reopening nine unfunded departments as President Donald Trump demands $5.7 billion for his proposed border wall. And some senators voice support for a deal to temporarily reopen the government while they find a deal on while they find a deal on border security. So we all know this is going on. And um, and this is what makes America great. I know. A whole bunch of people are upset. You know, they're like in fisty cuffs. All right, hey, you come here. 
you Democrat. I'm going to punch you in the nose. While the Republican's like, you know what? I'm going to pray for you, Democrat, in Jesus' name. I have a gun, by the way. Don't worry about it. Okay, I'm being funny. That's not really how it goes. But it kind of goes that way. I mean, it's kind of silly. Can't we all just get along? I mean, seriously, people. <laughs> we have enough security for Nancy. I know, right, Sean? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, anyway, so that's that. Okay, meanwhile... Over in China, uh, let's go ahead and look at that story next, Randall, the CNS News one. Meanwhile, the Christian persecution continues to, to happen over in China. <clears throat> There's an article over on cnsnews.com, <sighs> and this is so sad. It says, Chinese communists force Christians to replace Jesus pictures with images of Mao, uh, XI Jinping. I don't know how to say that. So I just said XI. I guess that would be what 11 <laughs> in Roman numerals. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, I, I don't know how to say that. If you're Chinese, sorry. I think it's G. Y? Okay. G. G. Kind of like a G. I don't know. It could be sort of a I don't know. CH sort of sound. I could be wrong. I often am, as you know. Yeah. Well, it says here the Chinese Communist Party continues to harass and persecute Christians and in recent months has taken to removing pictures of Jesus Christ from inside homes and replacing them with pictures of the dictator. I'm not even going to bother saying his name, okay? We just, we just know that it's the dictator, let's call him the big D for Of, of the past, I mean, he's long since. Well, still. Yeah. It's the communist dictator. In addition, communist officials have removed Christian symbols and phrases on the outside of homes and replaced them with phrases praising socialist materialism. Uh, as the Religious Liberty and Chinese Human Rights magazine Bitter Winter and CBN News have reported government officials in XIAYA County, I don't know how to say that, so I'll just spell it, in the Henan province have warned anyone who hangs up a portrait of Jesus or pictures of crosses has to tear them down and replace them with portraits of Chairman Mao and XI Jinping. I'm sorry, I don't know how to say this. I'll just call the guy X. How's that? Uh, this is the policy of the Central Committee. This also applies to pictures of the Christian cross and other Christian symbols. As villagers from that county. That county said mm. officials in groups of three or four have been going from house to house conducting inspections and removing any religious paraphernalia found, said reported Bitter Winter. Now, let me ask you guys something. Seriously, here's a serious question. We live in America where we really do have freedom of speech and freedom in religion, of religion. Yes. Christians are being marginalized, we're being vilified, we're being spiked on social media. You know, this show just is an example over on Facebook. We have all, I guess we have about 3,600 likes on Facebook and maybe 100 people see it, okay? Just so you know. Can you imagine if all of my followers got to actually see it? Just saying. So we have that. You know, we're, we're being subverted for sure or suppressed. But imagine... Like I have this, um, I have this bracelet on right here. Wait here, I'm gonna take it off just for a second. I have this bracelet on here, and on here there is a little cross here. I don't know if you can see this. By the way, this happens to be a ginger snap bracelet. In case you're wondering, my hair's got caught in it. 
But what would happen if the government came into my house and noticed I had this cross here, which is, you can't really see it very well because that's the end of it. That's, that's the snaps. That's the snap. Wait, hold on. Where that's is the it? small one? Yeah. On the snap side with your know. haircut in it. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is the cross one right there. And anyway, the point is, what would happen if all of a sudden the government started knocking on our door? And saying, hey, give me everything with a cross on it. Give me your Bibles. Give me all your Christian literature that has any reference to the Bible in it. Yeah, what would you do? I mean, seriously, what would you do if that happened? This is why memorizing the Bible is very important. And this is why, you know... If you memorize scripture, nobody can take it away from you because it's always in your head. I got to snap this back on if I can. There we go. This is why Bible memory, memorization is super important. This is why the Chinese do it very well. Because in communist countries where Christians are persecuted, they often take a page of the Bible and they will handwrite it out on, on paper and then they'll pass that paper to somebody else and then they'll copy it again. Because they're not allowed the Bible. Now imagine if that was how you had access to the Bible. Would you be more inclined to read the Bible if that's how you had access to it? I'm just throwing the question out there. Because believers all over the world, that's what they do. And that's what their plight is. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to share that with you. Um, go on here. The article says, CCP officials barged into a home in October and demanded that an 80-year-old man replace a picture of a cross with pictures of Mao and X, X, whatever the guy's name is. If we come back for inspection and find that you haven't put up Chairman Mao's portrait, we'll cancel your poverty alleviation benefits, the officials said. The man, Fei Zi, a pseudonym, did as he was told, but fell off the table and injured himself when he was changing the pictures. Uh, Fee's wife told Bitter Winter, What have we believers in the Lord done wrong? The government is forcing us to tear up portraits of the Lord Jesus, and as a result, my husband was injured. Which would then actually beg the question, actually. So it appears that this guy, he willingly obeyed to the government and got hurt as a result. Um, and the question is, would you? I mean, he obeyed the government there. He, he submitted to the wicked government authority there instead of obeying God rather than man because he would lose government benefits. Now, what, what if that was you? Okay, I mean, seriously, think about what if the only benefits that you got to live and eat were from the government and they said, you know what, we're not going to feed you. We're not going to give you any money unless you take your cross down, you stop reading the Bible, you hand all this stuff over to us, and you worship the communist dictator in this country. What would you do? And this is, you know, this is happening, right? I mean, this has happened all throughout Christian history, actually. Uh, so what would you do? It's a good question to ask yourself. Um, in September, as reported, CCP officials ordered a government worker to go home to home and remove the religious symbols on the house's gates. Approximately 1,400 Christian items have been reportedly destroyed in households all across the township of X County since early February 2018, said B Bitter Winter. 
In, in October alone, 223 households in the Suyang district of Shangqi city saw the religious sim symbols on their gates removed and destroyed, and approximately 130 households across villages in the Langyuan district endured the same. Within 15 days, the homes of 279 residents of X County under the jurisdiction of the prefecture-level city of Lu Yang had their religious symbols removed, reported the human rights publication. Eventually, every home in this place was without religious banners or gate decorations. Many Chinese Christians have described the CCP's actions as similar to Mao's cultural revolution when millions of Chinese were persecuted for their alleged, uh, how do you say that? Bourgeois. Okay, anti-revolutionary beliefs. Good thing I didn't try to say that word. <laughs> now, remember this. When believers of old were like first believers, right? When they first um, happened, you know, the sign of the fish, you guys know that, right? The sign of the fish, the ictus. Where I'm going to draw one, see if I can do it good here. That's not good. I'm not a good drawer. Wait. Okay, so you see this, the sign of the fish? That's kind of a fish. So one way believers would would find each other in the olden times is they would stoop down to the ground and one part would go ahead and they would write this they would write like that one part right here like the bottom part and then if the person that was a believer and they knew what it meant they would complete it by doing that and then they would they would complete it by drawing the rest and they would know that that person was a believer okay and I'm telling you, it could get to that again, um, and it is actually in China. One of the things that um, that they af they actually will do in the underground church is they will tell people, um, you know what, the, if if the Christian wants to go to where the the underground church is, because they hide they they meet underground, so they meet in secret. Um, they will often say, "Can you prove to us that you spent time in prison for your faith?" because most of the people in the underground church in China have, and or they've been in labor camps. You know, they've been persecuted, beaten, imprisoned, right? So the question is, would you do that? Would you do it for food? Would you do it so you weren't beaten? Would you do it, you know, for clothing? Would you do it to not see your wife beaten or your husband tortured, right? I mean, that's how wicked these governments are. These communist governments that persecute Christians will do everything that they can to get people to deny their faith in Christ. And I'm going to tell you guys something. And I don't like saying it any more than I, I believe it. But the truth is, we all have to take uh, a personal inventory and we all have to, to decide and really purpose in our heart whether or not we'll, we'll ultimately die for Christ because it may come to that in this country. Maybe it's not going to happen in five years, maybe not even 10 years, maybe not even 15 or 20 years, but it could. And I'm just saying, you know, a lot of us are 50 and older. Maybe we're not going to be around another 40 years, right? Maybe 40 years, maybe 20 years, maybe, I don't know, maybe 25, 30 years, but how many of you have children, right? How many of you have grandchildren? 
that you're trying to raise in the fear and admonition of the Lord to serve him. That's what you got to care about too. We have to train our kids and that's where my next story comes in. The next story, Randall, about the survey. Sure. Premier. So I read this story and, you know, I don't have children, biological ones anyway, but many of you might. Listen to this. It says here, survey reveals low levels of Bible reading among Christian millennials. Uh, 14, or not, 19,000, that's not right, 1,942 people between 18 and 35 were asked their opinions on the Bible. Engagement with the Bible among Christians was obviously higher than millennials in general, but only around 49% believers said they read it more than once a month. 9% of practicing Christians said they read it every day, and 13% said a few times a week. Okay, so, okay, I'm just going to stop there for a second, okay? So, nine people out of 100 in this category read the Bible every day. Okay, so you wonder why biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high, even though we have more um, access to the Holy Bible than probably ever in the history of mankind. I mean, digitally and everything else, okay? Um, 13% said every week, and 17% they said they read it a few times a year, meaning around 51% of practicing Christians lead it read it rather less than once a month so here's a here's the thing for you i want to challenge you go hang out or go call five or six of your christian buddies that you that you know and maybe people you you know just christians that you know if you even know they're a christian because a lot of christians are clandestine they don't even want you to know they're a christian right but if you call them up and say hey how often do you read the bible get write down the answers and find out or or just ask them what they read today in the scripture. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good question, too. So Marianne, she just tweeted me, uh, sent me a message. She said, I feel Americans' ability to memorize anything is nearly non-existent now. I am 78 and remember doing lots of memorizing when in grade school, but totally stopped. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, Bible memorization is it's imperative i mean it, it's something we should be doing so anyway then it says here the survey was commissioned the bible society whoever whoever edited this did not do did a, good a poor job, job. They, there's spelling errors and, yeah. anyway and anyway it says here designed by the codec at the university of durham conducted by comries or comries or Comres. something <laughs> Sometimes I, wonder, I, I happen to be familiar with the organization. I was going to so. say, sometimes I wonder why God allowed me to do this because I'm not the best spokesperson for this. <laughs> I've been reading since I was three years old. <laughs> I mean, if I wasn't familiar with the comrades, I wouldn't know how you, to pronounce you, it. Okay. 47% of all millennials asked said they haven't listened or engaged with the Bible in the last year, but 29% engage with it once a month or more. For those who had heard or read a Bible verse in the last year, which could include Christians and non-Christians, the places this primarily happened was at home, 29%, at a special service, such as a wedding or a funeral, 22%, or in a regular church service, 12%. That's scary. That is scary because if they only engage 12% of the time at a church, then what kind of church are they going to if they're not actually preaching the Bible at the church? 
Ugh, drives me crazy. Anyway, it says special services became the most common reason to hear the Bible once you account for only non-Christians. The reasons for engaging with the Bible among all categories, which could include simply being out of service, were mostly, quote, to comfort me, 30% of those who read it in the last year, and, quote, to inspire me, 29%. Other reasons included to bring them closer to God and seeking guidance. 48% of millennials said they didn't have a relationship with the Bible. 34% said they see the Bible verses shared on social media at least monthly, but most said they do not pay attention to verses shared online. So those of you who share Bible verses online, the millennials don't care. About one quarter, though, said the Bible verses people share online make Christianity more appealing to them. Well, that's because usually they're taken out of context and they're usually all focused on yourself. I guarantee you, if, if we start sharing the hellfire and brimstone verses out of context, it wouldn't be appealing to a lot of people. <laughs> I actually tried doing that once just to be kind of a rebel. Yeah, didn't get, didn't go very far. <laughs> I can do all things to a verse taken out of context. Yeah, I know. Uh, among the non-religious, 50% said they had neither a negative nor a positive feeling toward Christianity. <sighs> Lukewarm. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, here is... Um, okay, so Sean says over here, now say ping. Okay. Mao say ping. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Uh, many in church say they don't want to be a Bible thumper, and if you encourage people to read it, you're being legalistic or judging. Well, then I'm legalistic and judging, because I've found reading the scripture, I mean, it changed my life. I try every day to read it. I'm Actually, I do read it every day. Um, but it's like, it, for a Christian, having daily intake of the Word of God should be like a, a fish being in water. I mean, a fish doesn't survive outside of water. I mean, it might flop around for a little bit until it dies. But, you know, for a Christian, the daily word intake, it, you know, it doesn't say you have to, you know, read it for five hours a day or anything. By the way, I do know I'm having an interesting hair day, Gina. I saw your comment earlier. <laughs> I tried to get my hair cut today, but my hairstylist was getting her hair done. So I got to wait till Saturday. But anyway, all that to say, the research actually shows that if you even spend a couple of minutes a day reading a Bible verse or scripture, that you are less likely to fall into the big massive areas of sin that a lot of people talk about, like becoming a drug addict or a sex addict or stealing or telling lies, all those things. So the benefit to reading the Bible, even a few minutes a day, is actually really good for your morality and your integrity as a person, right? So, there you have it. Were you going to say anything else? No. Okay. Well, speaking of reading the Bible, Ariel Ministries is our sponsor. You guys, if you uh, haven't gone there yet, go to ariel.org and save 20% when you use the coupon code BIBLENEWS. Uh, as I tell you every day, if you go over to our resources page, we have some recommendations there over there. And there you can um, actually go and check that out. <coughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you can. You can go check that out. Just so you know. Just so you know. <laughs> Sorry, my allergies are acting up here. 
I've had a lot of post-nasal drip, just so you know. Um, anyway, because I, I live in Tennessee where there's nothing but pollen. Um, yeah. Also, while you're on our website, you can join our email list and you can give to us financially. You can donate money to us, which is much needed, actually. If you go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give and you want to become a pillar of our community, all you got to do is just commit to donating something to us every month. And we will give you our eternal great gratitude and thank you for that because, you know, we're here every day. So if you, uh, if you tune in every day and you feel like that uh, this show benefits you in some way, then, you know, please consider a donation to the show. Also, we do offer Legal Shield services and protection as well as identity theft protection. And you can get in touch with me and you can um, go ahead and um, uh, get, get back to me. Or you can go to bit.ly forward slash LOJ 2019 and check that out. Yes, the book, The Gospel of the Holocaust, I saw the question, I saw the comment uh, there that you put. Uh, the Gospel of the Holocaust is actually, it talks about how the Holocaust of the Jews and how the crucifixion of Christ um, have a lot of similarities and parallels. It's actually a very good book. If you'd like a copy, you can get it for $10 at our website, just so you know. Um, okay, so there is that. Also, if you are a pickleball player or you want to be, then don't forget you could get a discount on a golden pickleball paddle. I, I kept forgetting to mention this, but you guys know that I, uh, you know, I love pickleball. So you can go to goldenpickleball.com right there. See, go to goldenpickleball.com. They only sell one paddle because it's brand new. Um, but you can save 10%. You can see that right there at the very bottom there with the coupon code Pickleball Faith, which is the upcoming title of my new book, Pickleball Faith. If you want to buy it, it's $54 out the door with free shipping included in that. Highly recommend it if you ever want to take pickleball up. It's a good paddle to start with for sure. Or if you're seasoned and you like to play with different paddles like I do, then get one. You know, the average pickleball paddle is 60, 70, 80, and sometimes 100 bucks, depending on where you get it. So that's a good price for a starter pickleball paddle. All right, so there's that. All right, now, if you lived in Sweden, I don't know how many of you guys heard about this story. This is a couple of days old. But um, there is a story titled Swedish government denies man's request to put Jesus's name on a license plate because it could cause offense. Janet Parshall brought this to my attention. <sighs> Listen to this. It says here, a Swedish man was denied the ability to put Jesus's name on his license plate because officials said it could cause offense. According to the Christian Post, Caesar Kisangi Macombi, or however you say his name, wanted to put the Swedish word for Christ, which is Christus, on his license plate, but the Swedish transport agency deemed it unacceptable. According to the local, both the Swedish words for Christ and Jesus are blocked from being placed on license plates because they contain religious matter and could, and could quote, cause offense, unquote, to those who are not Christians. Now, I'm just curious... If somebody wanted to put Muhammad or Buddha or Gandhi or Muhammad Ali or somebody like that on their license plate, <laughs> would the government think that they would cause offense to people? 
And my question is, when is the Swedish government going to change their national flag? Right. Which is based on a cross, specifically the, the cross of Christ. So. Right, because they're a Christian country country supposedly right well maybe in times past but yeah. uh, i mean it seems like the flag would be offensive oh uh, well it says here a press officer for the swedish transport agency mikhail anderson told the outlet we deny any words that we believe can cause offense <laughs> among other things we say no to everything that has any religious connotations no matter which connotations the Christian Post, Post repo, reports that so far nearly 100 license plates have been denied by the department, a fact that McComb finds puzzling. The Swedish man told the, the whatever that is, Burg Direct? Yeah, regional newspaper that since Sweden is a Christian country, he was confused by the agency's decision. McComb also asked fellow Christians to pray for his country and its officials. He said, as a Christian, you should not make war on those who make decisions in this country. Instead, we must pray for them. And that is being biblical because the Bible says that we should pray for those who are in authority. doesn't necessarily mean that we need to obey those who are in authority if they go against God's word. Because Paul and Peter said that, we must obey God rather than man. And as a result, they actually themselves ended up in jail for it. Okay. Could they put the Swedish flag on their license plate? That's a good question, Melanie. I don't know. But the irony of it all, don't you guys think this is the irony of it all is, you know, can't put the name of Jesus on your license plate. Personally, I wouldn't want to. Personally, I don't have an ictus on my car. I don't have any Christian bumper stickers on my car. Because in the unlikely event that I drive crazy, I don't want the, I don't want the Christian witness to be, you know, like blown for that, you know. <laughs> I always laugh when I see bad drivers and they have Christian penurial, you know, stuff on their car. Uh, yeah, anyway. So that, that I thought was an interesting story. Also, we have another story where a guy, and again, if the Bible was so, if, if the Bible wasn't important, why do we have stories like this one where it says here, a 170-year-old Bible finds its way home? A 170-year-old Bible finds its way home. Why does anybody care if the Bible is just another book, right? I mean, who cares that a Bible found its way home? even though it's 170 years old. Well, this article says here, when Jimmy Comer walked into the Wilson County Archives on December 17th and Linda Cran's staff placed a nine-pound, four-ounce book in his hands, he had new, no clue as to what treasures lay inside. The Holy Bible, published by E.H. Butler and Company in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 1848, which Comer had never laid eyes on, belonged to his great-great-grandfather, Samuel R. Comer. Tucked between its more than 1,665 pages was Samuel's photograph, along with the handwritten names and birth, marriage, and death certificates of Comer ancestors, a receipt, and several certificates. On the front of the 9-inch by 11 Bible, 11-inch Bible, an inscription reads, Presented by the Ladies. I was kind of speechless. It was a wow factor very much. I was blowed away. I was blowed away. I was blown away by the Bible. <laughs> I was blown away by the Bible, said Comer, of his immediate reaction. <laughs> That's funny. I think it's supposed to be blown, but whatever. Anyway, 
<laughs> it was 170 years old and printed in 1848. There were some great pages inserted with family notes and a picture of my great-great-grandfather that I had never seen. It was a weird feeling. It kind of makes takes me back to my grassroots, and I do feel honored and privileged because I have my grandparents' house, which they tell me is 102 years old. I have a small piece of what was our family farm, which at one time was 200 acres. I am of the opinion that some of this land did belong to my great-great-grandfather who had this Bible. And Comer, who is 60, who has lived in Lebanon all his life, said, said him. Anyway, I always knew that I had a great-grandfather named James Freeland Comer. That's my name, but they call me Jimmy. He is who I was named for. I never knew that his dad's name was Samuel Comer, who apparently had this Bible and passed it along to his children. It was given to a daughter and went through the other side of family. I never knew Samuel Comer was my great-great-grandfather until I got this Bible. The Bible, which likely left Wilson County more than a century ago, found its way home via a circuitous route from Hendersonville to Nashville to Gatlin, Gallatin, Gallatin, and then to Lebanon. It seems it went from Samuel Comer to his daughter Susan, who married Edwin Campbell Fight. From there, it was passed along to the next three generations, Marion Jackson Fight Galbraith to Florence Galbraith Stumb. Stumb? Stumb? And Susan Stumb uh, Cooney. Cooney explained how she ushered the book on its journey home, saying, The Bible came from my grandmother. My father died when we were young, so my mother, my brother, and I lived with my aunt and grandmother in Hendersonville. When my brother and I first closed up my mother and my aunt's house 20 years ago, we had all this stuff in a big blanket chest, and we went through it and could not believe what we found, but did not understand the significance of the Bible. We thought it was a big Catholic Bible. This summer, one of the stumbs wanted to see it, and I saw that it was not a stub, stumb Bible, but that it was a Comer Bible. That Bible was so special with the list of marriages and deaths, and I knew I had something that somebody else needed to have, and I knew Kay would have the contacts to know where it ought to belong. So, said Cooney, who is second cousin to Cumberland University President Paul Stumb, or however you say that. The K that she referred to is the Sumner County Board of Education archivist K. Hurt, who proved a vital cog in getting the good book back to its roots. Susan contacted me and said that she was going through an old chest that had belonged to her grandmother, Marion Fike Galbraith, who taught at Hendersonville Elementary School from 1910 into the early 1950s and had found some old school pictures, newspaper clippings and things, and she asked me if I wanted them. I went to her home and looked through these things, and she told me about this Bible, and I told her, I will take it and see if I can find it a home. Inside the Bible, Hurt found several Sons of Temperance certificates issued to Wilson County men, and after perusing the bio- biographical and genealogical records of the fight families in the U.S., she put the two clues together, concluding this has got to be from Lebanon since it's Wilson County. The archivist there will know these two family names. So I called Linda Grandstaff and asked if she was interested in this. She said yes, and so I brought it over. And then it says here, Receiving the Bible on December 12th, Wilson County archivist Grandstaff picked up the trail. As soon as I looked at the Bible, I realized this is the Comer families and it needs to get to them. I contacted Jimmy, and a few days later he came by to look at it, and he was kind of confused. I explained what it was, and while he was looking in the Bible, he saw a name, and he said, that's who I'm named after. 
James Freeland Comer. Now, that is pretty cool. I mean, it goes on to say some more stuff, but that's the gist of it. Isn't that neat, you guys? I mean, I don't know about you, but if out of the blue somewhere, somebody gave me a Bible from my great-great-great-grandparents or my great-great-grandparents or even my grandparents, I'd be like, I would totally treasure that. I'd be like, that is cool. Because back then, this was way before computers and how we, you know, we, we didn't have Ancestry.com back then. You know, that's how they, they, they documented, you know, their family history and stuff. So, I don't know, bareface. I don't know. That just more, it warms the cockles of my heart. Just so you know. Indeed. And uh, the article Isn't goes cool? on to yeah. mention, you know, talking about the, the sons of temperance and obviously involved in the temperance You got movement. lighter. You look lighter now. I do. I don't know. How did that happen? I don't. I don't know. We didn't put any light on. Doesn't he look lighter? Yeah. Anyway, <coughs> maybe it was the story. The, hey, man. Annie. By the way, Annie, we want you to know that we got your um, your gift right here. We ended up opening it on our show Monday. So go back and watch Monday's show. She, if you want. she did. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. Good. So we wanted to say thank you again, and we're sorry mm. about what you just posted there in the chat room. Oh. Okay. Um, all right whatever that might be um i can find out later uh but yeah it, pretty in- encouraging there with the uh, you know the sons of temperance and all that you know before uh, long before the um i'm trying to remember which amendment that was that um that uh, made it basically a federal crime to produce or transport alcohol uh, that uh, amendment was repealed pretty quickly when the uh, organized crime grew out of the illegal alcohol trade. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this is like going back to the mid-19th century that there were people swearing off alcohol, and, and men in particular. And so, presented by the ladies, uh, the archivists, you know, deduces that, you know, the temperance society kind of thing it was. And they were pleased with uh, this this man and his, his decision to not partake in alcohol and presented the Bible. It's interesting. It's the handwritten receipt remains in the Bible. Dated May 15th, 1851. It has a price of $12. I wonder yeah. if that's the receipt for the Bible itself. I don't know. Hmm. That would be interesting. I have one more story, but I'll read some back some of your comment. Let's see here. Okay, let's see. Okay. Mama Gina says, hee hee in the event, meaning you probably drive crazy. Actually, you know what? I am probably one of the safest drivers out there. True story. I drive the speed limit. Um, the last time I was in a car accident, was the only time I was in a car accident, I was actually hit by a crazy driver. <laughs> Still have to deal with my back problem as a result of that. Um, yeah. So I'm not actually not a great, I'm not a crazy driver. And then John Rockford123 said, what a bunch of crap. You ignore that Trump is the least Christian president married three times. Actually, I, I have never ignored that, actually. So uh, Gina says, that's the way they did it back then, right? The family events in the family Bible, great heritage. Joey said, Christians have been persecuting people for ages. Get rid of all religion. (laughs) Yeah, why don't we get rid of atheism? You know, stuff like that. 
that persecutes Christians. That would be awesome. Uh, Annie said, I'll catch the replay. An old lady smashed my daughter's car. The airbag protected her. That's what I was talking about. Wow. Um, and then Gina said, I treasure my mom's Bible. Her presents got it for her high school grad. Has births and deaths in it. And Melanie gave us a super heart. Wow. So John is in there too. And Marty is in there. Rachel is in there. Wanda is back. Danielle's there. All of you have came in as always. By the way, what are you guys thinking about get slugged in the morning? You guys like that? Just curious. Um, you know, I've been trying to do it in the morning between 8 and 8.30ish. Definitely somewhere between 8 and 9, depending on the morning. I got up late today. Actually, I got up, well, no. When I got up this morning, it was hard. Not because I was tired, but because my foot was killing me. You guys could pray for my foot. I have a... I have my bat. My left foot is really um, giving me some problems. It's it's just it's it's to the point where I might not play pickleball as much because it hurts so bad. All right, John says he do. Yeah, you I he do. <laughs> John does. <laughs> I know you're in there. I appreciate that. Um, I you know what I find for me that it's it's cool. It's really cool because it's like hey, I don't have children, uh, you know, and so it's kind of neat to be able to to do Bible devotions with you guys. You get slugged in the afternoon, okay. And John listens with his morning coffee. Oh, that's so nice. See, I feel so sweet. Yeah, well, I love you guys. So, and I don't mean that in the generic I love you way. I mean, I mean it in the, you know, in the Bible way. So, all right, we got one more story that I pulled. And believe me, I pulled a lot. So here's the last one. Seems we've been talking about abortion this week. Hey, Vandal, nice to see you, buddy. It says here, <clears throat> Idaho bill would make abortion murder, restore human rights for unborn babies. So while the idiots in New York are trying to kill babies until they're born, um, Idaho is trying to protect babies. Listen to this. So this is good news. Two Idaho representatives uh, presented a draft bill Tuesday that would call out abortion for what it is, murder. According to the CDA Press, state reps John Green and Heather Scott released their draft of the Idaho Abortion Human Rights Act. The proposed bill would end the exemption for abortion in Idaho's murder laws. Green and Scott said that the abortion exemption is inconsistent with the state's constitution's protection of life and definition of murder. The bill would repeal part of Idaho's homicide law that specifically excludes abortion from prosecution. Furthermore, it would forbid the state from joining federal litigation against the law, according to the report. In Section 18-4001 of the Idaho Code, murder is defined as the unlawful killing of a human being, including, but not limited to, a human embryo or fetus with malice, of forethought or the intentional application of torture to a human being, which results in the death of a human being. However, another section of the Idaho Code, Section 18-4016, exempts doctors performing abortions and the woman who requests them from being prosecuted for, 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 for murder. The code is inconsistent and the bill would repeal the latter section of the state law, the pro-life lawmakers That's said. totally inconsistent. Yeah. Do you want to comment? Well, yeah, seeing as, is, you know, it, you know, it says specifically, you know, as I quoted there, the unlawful killing of a human being, including, and but not limited to, a human embryo or fetus 
I mean, embryo, I mean, we're talking like just after conception, you know, with malice aforethought or the intentional application of torture to a human being, which results in the death of a human being. That, that totally describes abortion. But then they go and, well, say, well, if, if, if a woman seeks an abortion and a doctor performs it, well, then they're both off the hook. I mean, so why couldn't I, with the same logic, say that, well, if I want someone dead and I hire a professional hitman, then we should be we should be let off the hook. We should be, you know, because it's the same thing. You know, I'm seeking. It's 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 not. I'm doing it. I'm not seeking malice. And the other person is simply hired to ca- carry out my, you know, my my will that this person, human person, be offed. You know, if 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 the law excludes exempts, you know, doctors performing abor- abortions and women who request them from being prosecuted for murder. How is that any different than the person who hires a hitman to kill somebody else? The irony of it all. Yeah. I would argue that in court if I, I mean, I would never hire a hitman, but if, I mean, I'd take that to the court says, Hey, this is exempted. Why, why is it just because the person is older? I contracted with a professional to kill this other human being. Why, why am I not exempted? Well, and then there's also the the issue of homicide laws in many states too, and I don't know what it is in Idaho, but but you know, if a woman is murdered and she's pregnant and the baby dies, I mean, they people get, you know, yeah. they get sentenced Double for homicide. two killings, right? right? Instead or a car accident. Let's say, you know, a pregnant woman gets yeah. killed in a car accident then, and all that. I mean, it's it's yeah. It's manslaughter rather than homicide, but Yeah, the actual Article goes on to say abortion is without question the chief means of depriving unborn Idahoans, Idahoans of the most fundamental of all human rights, which is the right to life. Green and Scott said to accomplish this historic restoration of human rights for the unborn in Idaho, the act simply repeals the prohibition of prosecution for abortion found in Idaho Code 18-4016 and puts the matter within existing statute for the prosecution of murder where it clearly belongs. The draft bill comes days after Boise's March for Life where hundreds of Idahoans gathered at the state capitol to protest Roe v. Wade and stand up for the unborn baby's lives. Idaho had a recent record of advocating for life. Last March, Governor C.L. Butch Otter signed into law State House Bill 638, which established a system to better track abortion complications and other related data in Idaho. In the same month, Otter also signed Senate Bill 1243, which updated the state informed consent packet to include information about the new abortion pill reversal technology for women seeking abortions. Uh, Green said he and Scott are working with various committee chairmen to best determine which committee to introduce the bill. I have these floaters. Any of you guys have floaters on your eyeball? (laughs) Part of LASIK eye surgery is that you tend to get floaters. And so this black floater for days has been driving me nuts. Like, all I can see this black, especially when I got bright light on my face, which I do. It's like, I can see this. I have to to read around it. So I'm reading it slower. But anyway, so, you know, the good news is that Jesus is, is Lord and 
There are people of God who are out there advocating for life while the culture of death all around us is advocating for death. And so, you know, we are on a mission from God. Yeah, we are people. We're on a mission to be bold in our faith, to boldly proclaim the gospel, which will save people from the wrath to come. You know, we're on a mission to stand up, right? To be bold, to stand up. You know, and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a voice for the voiceless. I'm going to be a voice for those who can't stand up for themselves. I'm going to be a voice for myself, my own rights. Most importantly, I'm going to be a voice for the gospel. And we are to go with God, people, because he loves us. And as I always tell you, you and God is a majority. So you never got to be scared of anything because God's got your back. Now, you might end up in a lion's den or you might end up in a fiery furnace or you might end up in jail. But he's always with you and there's always a purpose for it. So, you know, you can be encouraged by that because wherever you go, God is there no matter what. So check out Psalm 139. I think that's right. And just remember that. You know what I mean? Remember that. Remember it. And in the event you'd like to care, you know, share the show out, feel free to do that. We appreciate it. <laughs> um, somebody calling you? Yes. Somebody's calling Bareface right now. All right, so tomorrow is Free For All Friday, which means that we'll come back and we'll talk about whatever we feel like it because uh, we can. As long as we can, we will. <laughs> so I hope you guys had a, I hope you enjoyed the show. Let me know what your feedback is. You know, tell me what you like about the show. Uh, if you have a news item you want me to discuss, feel free to send it my way. Uh, and I look forward to uh, seeing you tomorrow right here on Bible News Radio. You want to say something else? No. Okay. He, he, he took a deep breath, so I thought he was going to. So thank you guys for coming in. I appreciate it. Remember, be bold, stand up, and go, people, with God, because he loves you. <laughs>